This is the Smooth Operator Podcast. I'm Adam Liette, Director of Operations for a seven-figure online business and eight-year veteran of Army Special Operations. On this show, we get into the tactical nitty-gritty of what it really takes to run a thriving online business because at the end of the day, operators lead the way. Hello, welcome to today's episode of Smooth Operator. It's Friday, so as always, we have our interviews on Fridays, and I have a very special guest with me. Uh, We're going to be going into B2B marketing and all the wonderful things we can learn to really ramp up our own uh, marketing fundamentals, (coughs) get through revenue roadblocks, and really accelerate our own growth. So I have with me Tim Fitzpatrick from Realton Marketing. He's a B2B Revenue specialist has been doing this for years, has tons of experience, and came with us to share his insights into really how to get the best results for his clients. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining me, Tim. How are you doing today? I'm great, Adam. Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to uh, to dig into this. I am as well, man. Well, could you uh, start by just giving us some of your background, how you came to this place? Yeah, sure. I'll uh, I'll try to make a uh, long story short. So. I, when I graduated from college, I was a math major, had no idea what the hell I wanted to do, uh, but I was always good at math, so figured, man, it's applied in all kinds of different disciplines, so that's what I'm going to do. My, uh, my dad had been a manufacturer's rep he, for a long time. He was an entrepreneur, and shortly before I graduated, he'd started a wholesale distribution company that was related to his rep company, and uh, at the time, he had no full-time employees. I knew he needed some help. And I was like, hey, dad, let me, let me help you for the summer while I figure out what the hell I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And he said, sure. So that's what I started. I was the first full-time employee. And uh, after three months, I was hooked. Like I didn't want to do anything else. Um, I was soaking up information like a sponge. I was learning new things every day. We were selling home theater equipment. So, I mean, it was like toys. <laughs> it, was, it was just fun stuff to sell. And uh, I was hooked. And so I said, hey, I don't really want to do anything else. If you'll have me, um, I would like to keep doing this. And he said, sure. And it worked out really well because my dad trusted me. He gave me a lot of autonomy to, to learn and to make mistakes. Um, and he was there from a strategic perspective when I needed guidance. And um, that was kind of all she wrote. I mean, we, we grew at 60% a year for nine years. Uh, We sold it in 2005, and then I stayed on for another three years after we got bought. Um, After that, I transitioned into real estate. I was into residential real estate, Um, totally different, but I'd always been interested in real estate. And I was like, well, I'm kind of starting over at this point, so let me give it a shot. Um, I hated it. Like two and a half years in, I was waking up like Sunday night going, oh, my God, I've got to do this all over again. And that is no fun. It is no fun running a business when you can't stand it. And what's the point in owning a business if you don't like it? So I decided to shift gears. And that's when I got involved in, in marketing, uh, which is what I'm doing today. My path in marketing has been winding as well. But um, I love marketing. I love the fundamentals of marketing because they don't change. And so that's really where we, we focus in the marketing realm, which is pretty broad. Um, but we help people get the fundamentals in place so they can build their... F- build their business from there. So that's the short story. That's awesome. I find in in my travels, like so many of us, we got that little entrepreneurial bite and it's infectious. Like you said, like being able to just, every day is different. You're learning new things. You're trying new things. 
from my own side, I was, I was military. So like super bureaucracy and I had in mind, Oh, I'll go, I'll get my MBA and go fortune 500. That lasted about 30 seconds into my first time <laughs> with an entrepreneurial company. When I realized I had no bureaucracy over me, I'm like, Oh yes, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Need permission. Yeah. If, uh, if you've got it in you, once you kind of get exposed to it, it's, um, it's really hard to, to do anything different. Except now all of our friends think we're weird because we're like sitting up on Friday night reading like marketing textbooks and <laughs> instead of going yeah. out like normal people, right? Yes. Don't you ever quit? Uh, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, I love that story, Tim. And it's funny, you were talking about marketing fundamentals and it just reminded me of something that literally just happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was at a, a marketing convention and if, if, if the listeners here, you know, you've heard me talk about Dan Kennedy before. If you haven't bought Dan Kennedy books, what are you waiting for? Go buy Dan Kennedy books. They're great. Um, but some, Dan Kennedy was speaking at this convention and it was hilarious. He said, oh, you guys think you're special. Think, oh, I'm a digital marketer. That's so special. There's nothing special. It's just marketing, guys. It's just marketing. And that really got me thinking about the fundamentals and wanting to take my own journey, like back to my textbooks, back to the old school literature, to really start exploring and re-exploring marketing fundamentals. And so when, when we even talk about like going back to that route, what does that mean to you? Or what kind of areas do you like to dive into, Tim? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. It um and the answer you get is going to depend on who you're talking to, right? But uh, when I got into marketing, somebody um, told me, they're like, look, I don't care what the discipline is. Like, there's only like five or six pages, right? And everybody is working from those five or six pages, and they're putting their own little spin on it. But, you know, gosh, there's, you know, with marketing from a tactical standpoint, yeah, there are new things. It's changing. But, man, the fundamentals in any discipline don't change. They're the same today as they were 50 years ago, and they're going to be the same 50 years from now. When I look at the fundamentals of marketing, I look at your target market first and foremost. Every single thing you do from a marketing standpoint is built from your target market and the ideal clients that you want to serve within that market. From there, you've got your marketing message, right? Which is what you're going to put out to the world to to grab their attention, gain their interest, and get them to take action. You can't create a message until you first understand who the hell you're trying to reach. Yet so many of us skip these things because we just want to take feel like we're taking action, right? Like if I don't start working on my website or put up my Facebook page or start a YouTube channel, like I'm not getting anywhere. And what people don't realize is when you do that and you skip the fundamentals, you're putting the cart before the horse. And you're just going to, you're going to waste time. You're going to waste money on marketing. That's just not going to work. You've got to have a foundation that you can build the rest of your marketing house from. And that's where the fundamentals come in play, you know? And once you have those first two in place, then you have to have a plan of how you're going to get that message in front of those people. And too many people don't have a plan. They're like throwing stuff up, spaghetti up against a wall, seeing what sticks. And if it, if it does stick, they have no idea why. Right. And we've it, man, if you're going to eliminate distraction and be able to focus, you have to have a plan. So 
that's what I think of when I think of the fun, the fundamentals of marketing. For sure. And actually it makes it so much harder on yourself when you don't start at the strategic level, thinking you're just going to jump into whatever new builder they created or new widget and you don't do it from a plan. I always find it's, it's almost a right brain, left brain activity where if you don't have the, the copy written, if you haven't developed your message and you try to go straight into the creative side of things, like, I don't know about you, I get stuck. Like I can't physically do it because I'm trying to use both sides of my brain at the same time. Has that been your experience? Yeah, it's, um, I think for a lot of people, there's just so many, there's so many people that don't, that talk about the tactics and not the strategy right? The strategy is not sexy. It's not cool. You know, it's not a funnel. It's not TikTok. You know, so a lot of people just gloss over it. And, and frankly, with marketing, you know, like when I started, when I was in the distribution business, man, this was in like the mid to late nineties, like websites were informational brochures, you know, search engine optimization, Google ads were like in their infancy. Marketing was so much different then. Now, the, obviously the fundamentals were the same, but there weren't as many marketing channels and as many tactics as there are today. And that I think is one of the big challenges that people have right now is there's so much information overload. And when we've got information overload and people telling us you need to be here, 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 you know, we just get overwhelmed, we get frustrated and we just don't know what to do. And that makes it really, really challenging. But that's why the fundamentals are so important. The fundamentals are not complicated. They're simple. We just have to take them. Now, just because they're simple doesn't mean they're easy, right? It's not like they're not work. The concepts are simple. You have to put in the work to put them in place. For sure, absolutely. And what one of the fundamentals you mentioned was target market. Yeah. And I think in some ways, like we have more tools now than ever before to do market research. And I find people are doing less and less of it, or <laughs> they're allowing themselves to like come in with their bias and like go immediately for something that's going to confirm their bias. Like, is there any ways that you've explored market research that would be really useful? Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of suggestions, simple, simple places to start. One, when you're trying to hone in on who your ideal clients are, the easiest place to start is with your existing and past customer base. Like why reinvent the wheel? So look at your existing and past customer base and ask yourself these three questions. I call them the three power questions. Who do we love working with? Like, why do you want to be in business and work with people that make you want to bang your head against a wall? There's no point in that. Two, who are your most profitable clients? We got to make money if we're going to stay in business and serve people at the highest level. It's okay to make money. And by the way, your most profitable clients aren't always your largest top line revenue clients either. So don't fall into that trap. Um, and then the last question is, who do, we, who do we do great work for? Who do we get our best results for? When you ask yourself these three questions, you end up with a subgroup of clients that you answered positively to all three of those questions. And if you're working with people day in, day out that you love working with, that are profitable, that you get great results for, man, your business is going to be fun. You're going to be making money. You're going to be getting referrals. 
you're going to have customers that are going to want to stay with you and work with you for a long time. They're going to want to do more work with you. Those are all really positive things. That's why it's so easy to start with your existing and past customer base. And once you have that subgroup, that's where you start to dig a little bit deeper into where, where are the commonalities in the people that are in this group? The demographics, you look at the numbers, you start to look at the psychographics, like what are the common problems they have? What, what results are they looking for? What are their goals, their aspirations? All of those things will start to help you identify the commonalities. And typically ones that what ends up happening is you get like one to three smaller groups that share commonalities. It's those smaller groups that tend to be your ideal clients. And that's the easiest place to start. Now, once you've done that, you mentioned something really important. Like I've got this cognitive bias. As business owners, we all have cognitive bias bias. We can't see the forest through the trees and think objectively about our business because we're too close to it. So the way, the easiest way to, to avoid that, once you have the, those ideal client groups, is to interview your ideal clients. Take the time, interview them, ask them the right questions. You will get so much valuable information from, from that exercise. It, honestly, if that's the one thing that your audience does from this interview, it will be absolutely invaluable. I guarantee it. They will say things and you'll be writing these things down. And you'll be like, oh my God, what? Why didn't I think, like they say it to me and now it's completely obvious. Why didn't I see that? Well, we're too close to the fire. And they will tell you things in their words. When you create your messaging, it needs to be in their words, not yours. That's how it's going to resonate. So those are two things that I would highly recommend people do. And the, the great thing about that is when you're interviewing your target avatar, your ideal fan, they are, they get like super excited about it. Like the chance to talk to you. I, I've gotten on Zoom calls with people like, I can't believe I'm actually talking with Adam. I'm like, just, uh, okay. <laughs> like uh. they get really passionate about our products. And I think it's like, it's an opportunity not only to learn about your market, learn about all those little intrinsic little details. You can, you can get testimonials out of that case studies. Yep. You can get so much material out of that exercise. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard week. If you're doing like 40 or 50, it's a long week, but I promise you everyone listening, I've done this exercise before as well. And the amount of data you get from there and it's, it's almost after you do enough of them, you get like gut feelings, you get, a, you start to develop a spider sense yeah. of what they're really saying. And then you can kind of not lead them to it, but ask the right probing questions to get them to say yeah. what's really on their mind. And it's, it, it's definitely an art form, but it's one of those things where if you do it enough, you just kind of get it. And you know what, even if you're not great at it, you're doing something that most people don't take the time to do the information you get from it is still going to be incredibly valuable, you know, but like you said, you, sometimes you have to dig a little bit deeper, you know, why do you work with us? And they say, well, cause you have great customer service. Guess what? Great customer service is table stakes. Everybody expects it. You need to dig a little bit deeper. So for example, they say great customer service. You follow up with another question like, well, can you give me an, an example of when we showed great customer service? Like, what did that mean to you? 
You know, you just, you just dig a little bit deeper, ask a few more probing questions and you'll really get to the root of what you need to. Um, but yeah, you should, we should all be interviewing clients on a consistent and regular basis. Absolutely. And if you want a great example of how to do the customer service answer, go watch The Office. I think it's like season four, episode two. <laughs> it's really, the, the Office is market research for you marketers. Okay. Watch the, okay. I'm an evangelist. I can't help it. <laughs> but a lot of good things. There's a really good thing in there they do for to show customer service. And it's fun. Um, in the B2B space, like you are, like, is this clients that are then hiring you to do, do this for them? Or how does that relationship work for when you're doing this for your, yeah, uh, your it depends so some of our stuff is done for you and some of it is more coaching where we're guiding them through the process or you know course material where it's you know done diy right so we have multiple options to meet people where they're at and and you know address their specific situation gotcha I have a client who I was like, you should really do this. Like, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> it is, but it's okay. And yeah. I'd lead them to water eventually. Uh, when you're working with clients, because you mentioned the shiny objects and the, the widgets that everyone wants to use. Do you have that, like clients that want to do that and like try to steer you in that direction? And like, how do you, how do we combat shiny object syndrome and stay dedicated to what we know works or what we think will work better yeah so uh, the way we combat it is one our process so we work through a set process when we work with clients but the first place we start is with a deep dive assessment of where they're currently at you cannot create a plan to get where you want to go until you know where you're starting from Right. If I'm sitting in my car and I need to get to the airport and I type in Denver International Airport in my GPS, if it doesn't know where I'm starting from, like I get nowhere. And this is the same process. You have to have a baseline. And that's another thing. Like there is no one size fits all plan. We're all at a different place. We all have different resources. We all have different goals. And all of those things impact what you need to put in your marketing plan. So we've got to have a deep dive assessment first and foremost. That helps unlock our growth and profit opportunities. What's working, what's not, um, where are the opportunities that we really have that we should be capitalizing on? That's where we start first. And then you jump into making sure, okay, hey, do we really have our target market and our ideal clients narrowed down? Do we have the messaging that's going to engage and, and attract those people, right? We've got to have fuel for the tactics and the vehicles that are in our plan. If we don't, we're just going to waste time. So that's where we start. And then we shift into actually putting, managing and implementing the plan and optimizing it on an ongoing basis. But until you've done, got that baseline and you've got the fundamentals in place, and you've put the plan in, you really, you really can't do anything. And the benefit, I touched on this a little bit earlier, with your plan, what your plan does is it, out, it outlines what your priorities are. And when you know what your priorities are, you have clarity, you have focus, 
And you can, it's much easier to eliminate all this outside noise, the information overload, because, you know, when the next marketing guru comes up next week saying, you know, Adam, you, you gotta be on, you know, whatever clubhouse, you can say, you know what? Um, I'm saying no, I'm not saying no forever. I'm saying no for right now because I have priorities and this is not one of them. I'll put this on my maybe, maybe list for the future, but right now I'm not going to do this. There's, I mean, there's nothing from a marketing perspective that can't wait three months. Okay. If it's not on your priority list, unless you have a really good reason to make a change, you should not, you should implement what's already on your priorities. Absolutely. And you know, I think it's so important to stay abreast on developments in the industry, to be listening to podcasts, to be watching, reading books, all those great things with the understanding that it's building your strategic plan versus I just saw this great webinar. It's this is going to work. This is, there, I promise you there's no webinar that's going to fix a bad messaging or bad targeting. Like there is no tactic that's going to fix bad fundamentals, Yeah, but bad targeting or uh, bad shiny objects and good fundamentals will still work <laughs> much better than the other way around. Yes, absolutely. Right. You mentioned Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy talks about market message media match, right? You got you to gotta know the market. You have to have the right message that matches that market. And then you have to use the right media, right? Marketing channels, marketing tactics. All of those things need to be in alignment. If they're not, you're, you may get results, but you're certainly not going to get the results that you, that you should. 100% love it. Fantastic. So as the business has grown, I mean, you, you've added some team members, you have some contractors, have you found, are you still very much a technician in the weeds or have you had to kind of step back and take on more of a leadership role? I, um, I certainly, I'm taking a leadership role, but I'm still involved in some of the fulfillment of, of our services, especially, you know, with strategy and planning, I get heavily involved in that. Um, you know, long-term, I, we'll see, I'm not really sure which way I'm going to take it. I mean, I love strategy and planning. So, you know, I think I want to have some involvement in that, but, um, you know, we'll see see where my, my business goes, but I certainly would not be where I am without the people that I've hired. I mean, we can't, you reach your, your capacity to, to do everything in your business very quickly. Um, so I think it's important to, uh, to identify as quickly as you can, what you need to get off your plate and what's the highest and best use of your time. And I always ask this question because I think it's a blind spot many of us have is that I, the idea of offloading and delegating. And so I'm curious, like, how have you professionally developed that team or how do you like keep them informed of your expectations or your experience? Like, like what's the train up period and sustainment period been like for team members when they do take tasks off your plate? Yeah. You know, it depends on the, the role. Um, and what the task is, when, when the tasks are very, um, you know, there's clear steps that need to be done. You know, I've just put 
checklists in place, right? Standard operating procedures. Um, I love Loom. If anybody, anybody in your audience is familiar with Loom, L-O-O-M, it is a screen capture software. It is like, I use it multiple times every day. It is one of the coolest tools ever. Um, super helpful, right? So, I mean, sometimes when I offload things, I don't even write the procedure. I just shoot a Loom video of me actually doing it. And then I give that to whoever's going to be the one managing that and doing that. And I say, hey, here's the, here's the Loom video. Please put together written instructions based on the Loom video, include the Loom video, and then go from there. But, you know, the other thing too, somebody, and I, I can't remember where I heard this, but um, it always stuck with me. When we write procedures, we need to write procedures for smart people. Like if we write a procedure and have all a hundred steps that everybody needs to take to go through it, it's like, no, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Write them for smart people. You hire smart people. If people can't follow them and plug in some of those little gaps, um, they're probably not going to be the right person for the job anyways. So you know, don't feel like every procedure has to be tight, tightened down, buttoned up before you offload it. No, just offload it, give them the procedure and you will optimize it over time, but it's not going to be perfect. I am so glad you said it. And the way you said it, like we write it for smart people. That's, that's my quote for the day. <laughs> I'm good. I'm totally stealing that one, Tim. Because uh, I wish I could remember where I heard it. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a good one. It's always stuck with me. I love it too. Cause it relieves a lot of, a lot of undue expectations that we're only putting on ourselves. Yes. Like we, we come in with this, I must create the Bible of creating a Facebook. No, you don't come on, man. It's going to be outdated in six months. Anyway, focus on the big steps and what has to be done. Like you don't no. need to say log into Facebook. Like if they can't figure that out, then, then it's not going to work. All right. You know, just, you know, so some of those little minutiae, like minute details, you don't need to have everything in there. I should release like a special collector's edition of Adam's tales from when he was doing Verizon DSL technical support in the <laughs> early two thousands of how to not have to give instructions. Um, I did have one gentleman complain that his beer holder on his computer broke. You know, you hit the button oh. and the beer holder comes out, uh, CD-ROM drive. Oh, but, uh, God. That kind of reminds me, when I was in distribution, um, I was hiring for a position, and I got a, I got a resume, and the guy's email address was alcoholicdad at AOL.com. And I was like, nope. <laughs> you know? It's just one of those like things like, come on, can we please just like, I don't know, that might be funny for your friends, but it's probably not the best email to use for your job application or on your resume. Maybe not. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, we could all tell stories for days about people we come <laughs> across. Oh, so fantastic. Um, great. So Awesome. Great, great tips. And I, I, I double your emphasis on using Loom. I use ScreenFlow. I've used it all the time. Get, get, getting stuff off your plate is actually really easy if you do it in that way. Like 
document it first. And I, I have another hidden step in there where I will narrate my process. And the funny thing I always find is I, I'm like, why are you doing it this way? And I have to reshoot it because I realized there was a much better way to do it. <laughs> and I was doing something out of muscle memory where it didn't need to be done that way. But yeah, absolutely. It's it's really that easy. It's once you start doing it, it's not, you know, the the hill, the mountain that you made it out to be. It's really it's really not. Um, and I think, too, sometimes the we need to kind of get out of our own way. You know, it's like, gosh, what if I hand this off to them and they make mistakes? Well, you know, everybody makes mistakes. Most mistakes are not catastrophic. Um, you know, you can recover from those. Sometimes you got to like pull the training wheels off and let people go. You also mentioned like data is king. Like data is what leads us to, it, it informs everything. So when you're working with team members, do you have like templates that you've created where they can drag and drop the data to do all the calculations or how, how do you ensure that data integrity uh, remains? From a, like with like the, the marketing data that we're collecting yeah. or. Yeah. Like any conversion rates or click through rates, like all that kind of data. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that stuff we can, you know, I mean, we can calculate some of it's calculated automatically. <laughs> right. Um, mm -hmm. you know, where we can, where it's automatically being calculated, but I think from a metric standpoint, what's um, obviously having accurate data is super important, but identifying the right data, the right metrics to track is equally as important, especially when you look at marketing, because there's so many vanity metrics out there that really don't, don't mean anything. Um, you know, how many visitors do I have coming to my website? How many followers do I have on Facebook? You know, at a, at a really basic level, none of that crap matters unless you're generating leads that are converting to customers. Uh, you know, and I think, yes, there is a time and place to focus on some of those other metrics, but man, if you're not really even tracking how many leads you're generating that are converting to clients and where those leads are coming from, you have no business worrying about some of the minute you know, small metrics that, that are out there. So I, you, it's really important to hone in on the right metrics because as you pointed out, when you, when you are tracking the right metrics, they will help inform your decisions so that you can make better and stronger decisions with what you need to do and where you need to make course corrections. Love it so much. And all of this, it's creating that foundation of our marketing plan and our marketing engine. You know, you're putting all these pieces together. And when you have these pieces together, you can get to our next topic, which is really talking about accelerating our revenue growth and moving faster. And so you mentioned that there are several common revenue roadblocks that you that you have identified and that you work through uh, that we can remove. Uh, what I'd, I'd love I'd love to dive into some of those revenue roadblocks. Yeah, sure. Um, so some of this is going to be a little bit repeat of some of the stuff that we've talked about. But when when we look at the common revenue roadblocks with marketing, they're in three categories, right? Strategy planning, and then leadership. Somebody's got to be driving your marketing efforts to get them where, to get where you want to be. So we look in the, we work in those three areas. And with each of those areas, 
there are three common roadblocks that we see. So within strategy, target market, which we've talked about, messaging, okay, which we've touched on, and then your services and your offers, right? Your services and your offers have to be in alignment with the market that, you, that you're gonna serve. You know, do they see the value in those services and offers? Do they solve the right problems, right? All of those things have to be, have to be there. Then when we look at planning, we're looking at, you know, the vehicles that you're going to use. And within planning, there are three main areas that I think are really important to look at. One is lead gen, lead generation. How, where, are you, where are you generating leads? How are you doing it? Are you generating leads from a single source or multiple, right? The more mm -hmm. lead gen sources you have, the more stable your business is going to be. Then we have lead conversion, right? You're generating leads. How are you actually converting them? What's your process for doing that? And then the third one is retention and referrals. What are you doing to retain clients and continue to get referrals? Those are all, all three of those are roadblocks that we look at in planning. And then when you look at leadership, there are three roadblocks there. Metrics, which we touched on, right? If you want to make good decisions, you got to identify and track the right metrics. So we've got to put those in place. Then you have implementation and execution. You can have a great strategy, a great plan, but those go to die if, impl if implementation and execution are not in place. <laughs> like you have to have somebody that is overseeing and managing implementation and execution. And then the mm -hmm. third one in leadership is optimization. Your marketing is not set it and forget it. You're always testing, right? Frankly, most of the things you do from a marketing standpoint aren't going to work. That's why you've got to be testing mm. and you have to have the right metrics so you can identify quickly and as efficiently as possible what's working and what's not. So you've got to be always optimizing. Those are the three things that we look at in leadership. So all nine of those roadblocks are things that we work through in our system. You can't you, know, you can't take care of all, all of them at one time. You got to do it in a process. And where we're going to focus really depends on where you're at in your business. But you got to have strategy that lays the foundation. And then you have to have a plan. And then you can move into actually managing and leading your marketing efforts. I love it. And like putting three under each of those three. And they're very, I mean, it's just right there. You can't. They, they can all be explained by numbers. I mean, the most of them, I mean, you can, you can track all of these and it, because if you can't track it, you can't fix it. You can't improve it. And that's a firm belief of mine. Um, yep. When you mentioned lead generation, just to take, take us down that path a little bit, like lead gen is, I know it's evolving because I'm, I'm trying to optimize my own lead gen game right now. Like yeah. what, is, what are you seeing that's working in lead gen with, the shift in communication styles that we've seen these last couple of oh, years. Oh man. Uh, here's, here's my philosophy on Legion. There are so many tactics out there. They can all work. Okay. What we need to do is we need to outline what's going to work best for your particular business, your situation and where you want to get to. Right. But I think the important thing with Legion goes back to, we can't have just one main lead gen channel. You know, a lot of businesses grow on referral 
and they grow on mm. referral to a certain place and then they they stall because referrals are not scalable. You, if you really want to scale a business and grow a large business, it has to grow beyond just referrals. Mm -hmm. The problem is if, you, if you're working on just referrals, you're riding a unicycle. Right. What happens if the tire goes flat? Okay, so for example, I have a buddy who is in, who's, he's an insurance broker, um, super successful. Um, they've built a great business. Their referral partners are mortgage brokers. They have killed it for so long, but what the hell is happening in the mortgage business right now? It is falling off the face of the earth. Like guys that were making half a million dollars a year are going to be lucky to make 75, right? It, so their leads from those types of referral partners have dropped off significantly, right? That's an example of a unicycle. But if they were riding a four-wheeler and they had referral partners, they had inbound leads coming from content marketing, they were utilizing email marketing, and they were, you know, take your pick, uh, you know, they had a podcast. Well, now they got four tires. One tire went flat. They're still going to get where they need to go. They may have to slow down a little bit. They may not get there as fast, but their business is much more stable. So when we look at lead gen, I think what we need to do is identify which channels we're going to use to take a multi-pronged approach here so that we're not solely reliant on just one lead gen channel for our business. That's a lousy place to be. So I'll give you another example. I love video. Okay, I do. I create a lot of video content. If you don't love video and you're terrified to be on camera and I say to you, oh, Adam, you've, you have to start shooting short form video. You're going to hate it. You're probably going to quit early, early on. Like video is not the only way. So that's why, again, we can't take a one size fits all approach. I got to find, we have to identify what works for you, what resonates for you. And then we can start to outline the tactics that are going to make the most sense. But any tactic can work. You just have to have the right fuel. And the fuel is the strategy. Yeah, I got that fuel. And then consistency. It's just like every day getting a little bit better, a little bit better. None of yeah. us, it goes back to the very beginning of this discussion where we're learning something new every day and we're applying it in real time. You're only going to be able to do that with all of these skills. If it's learn something, do it, learn it, do it, learn it, do it. And it's this constant evolution that we're going through uh, in our own marketing growth. Cause I wrote this down that I, I've come to believe like we, we, we should start referring to ourselves like doctors, like doctors, like I practice medicine. <laughs> Yeah, I'm starting like to think that. we should say I practice marketing yeah. because it's the same kind of field where if you think you're done, yeah, just go retire. You're not. No. There's no such thing. No, there's not. You're you're never done. It is uh, it is a lifelong pursuit. Let's put it that way. Fantastic. And my personal favorite. Everyone's different, obviously. My personal favorite way is reading. Uh, is there any particular resources or books that you would recommend that people add to their collection to continue that learning? Man, there's so many great books out there. Um, I, 
I love duct tape marketing. I'm part of the duct tape marketing consultant network. John Jantz over at duct tape marketing, super smart guy. Um, and that's really where I got a lot of my, my philosophies on, you know, strategy and why it's so important to focus on strategy before tactics. Um, he's a great one. You mentioned Dan Kennedy. I mean, anything from Dan Kennedy is well worth uh, taking the time to go through. I love the thing I love about Dan Kennedy is, you know, a, a very, again, fundamental things, very tried and true, applicable to any business. It doesn't matter. Um, when you start reading about the tactics with marketing, you know, man, if you wrote a Facebook ads book five years ago, it's, it's, it's a dinosaur. It's totally irrelevant. Um, so for me, I really like to get books that are based more around the fundamentals where those, the content's more evergreen. And from a tactical standpoint with marketing, that's where I like to go, go listen to podcasts or, you know, websites, forums, stuff like that, where you're going to get more super um, current information because the tactics are changing. The fundamentals are not. Fantastic, man. I have to do, I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of duct tape marketing tonight. That's going to happen. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. No sleep tonight, but it's okay. Yes. It's all good because I'm we're practicing help. marketing. <laughs> Very cool. So if someone would want to be like aspire to be in the position you're at where they're doing this B2B marketing, they have their own firm, they have their own agency, like what suggestions would you give them to get started? Oh man, dude, you got all kinds of great questions. I, I would say it, de it depends on where the position that you're in, right? So if I was just getting out of college right now and I wanted to get into marketing, I would probably work for at least one or two agencies to get my feet wet, to learn the business. Cause there's so many areas of marketing. You gotta, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to pick where you want to be. Right. And it took me longer uh, to really figure that out for myself, because like you said, I was practicing marketing. I was learning it. And, you know, I, it took me a while to really hone in on, gosh, where is, where are my special abilities? What am I great at? What do I love to do? And in order to, to get there, I dabbled in a lot of different things. And I think it's a hell of a lot easier to dabble in a lot of different things working for somebody else than it is trying to do it yourself. So if you're in that position, that if you're in that position, that's what I would recommend you do. If you're, you know, coming out of corporate or, or, you know, just looking to start a new business opportunity, I would recommend that you find some people to follow, you know, like duct tape marketing or, you know, gosh, even, you know, Dan Kennedy's got multiple programs. There's, there's all kinds of people out there that have programs, but man, we don't need to reinvent the wheel. You got to find people that where that are where you want to be and then learn from them. They'll help. They will, you will get to where you want to go faster if you do that. So those are, I guess, the two things that I would add in there. One thing I'll add is like, don't be afraid. Like you said, working for an agency, don't be afraid to take that lower hanging job opportunity. Cause just in perspective, I've in four years, I've gone from social media manager to director of operations to CEO. So that's how fast this industry works. Yeah. And if you immerse yourself in it, you practice your skills, you learn as you go, you 
do all your data, you do your fundamentals, like things have a way of growing because this industry is so ridiculously fast and always changing, even if some things always remain the same. For yes. sure. It's, it's those that won't change with it that are left by the wayside. Those that are flexible, we're still here. So yep. that's it. Fantastic. Tim, I've had so much fun exploring with this. I know we're coming up on the top of the hour and I do want to respect your time. Um, do you have anything to add or anything that you'd recommend uh, the listeners uh, do if they want to further hone their, their marketing fundamentals? You know, just dig into the resources that, uh, that we've kind of touched on. If, um, if you, if you want to connect with me, you can do that over at our website, rialtomarketing.com, which is R-I-A-L-T-O marketing.com. Um, the other thing that I will also make available to your audience, um, we put a revenue roadblock scorecard together and that is over at revenue roadblock scorecard.com. At revenueroadblockscorecard.com, less than five minutes, you'll get a personalized report. It'll give you visibility to your revenue roadblocks. You'll be able to discover and assess which of the nine revenue roadblocks that we talked about today are slowing down your business growth and what you can do to start getting where you want to be. Love it. Yes, we'll link to all that in the show notes. And, and you have courses available as well too, correct? Yeah, you know, most are none of the courses that I have are on our website. So if somebody, you know, if somebody wants info on that, they can just reach out to me directly through our website at Rialto Marketing, and I'll be happy to talk to them. Fantastic. Great. Well, Tim, this has been a whole lot of fun. I've definitely I've taken plenty of notes. Now I have to go back to work practicing my own marketing, which is great. <laughs> I thank you for the homework, and I hope everyone else did the same out there. Um, it, it really is, it's this beautiful changing world, but like we all see, like so much things is just being disciplined in how we're practicing, not being distracted by the shiny objects, focusing on the messaging. The messaging will get you there. And, and it's, it's just so much of it. And it's what so many people skip over. If you don't skip over this, it's not a matter of if you're winning, it's when, and you know, there's a reason Tom Brady's still the GOAT because he still practices his fundamentals. And so if I can do a football analogy since we're deep into the season. Yeah. But, um, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Tim. Been an absolute pleasure. And if you want to learn more about Tim, do check out the show notes at adamliet.com. Uh, we'll have them up, up here and links to all of Tim's stuff. And thank you so much, Tim. We look forward to having you back. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Hey, before you bounce out of here, I have a free strategy session available exclusively for my podcast audience. In this 30-minute phone call, we'll unveil the immediate steps you can take to operationalize your business and put you back in the driver's seat. Just go to www.adamliette.com and click start here.